You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing episode of The Retail Perch here with my co-host Gary Hawkins. Hi Gary, how are you? Great Shekhar, how about you? Terrific, terrific. And I can't wait to talk to our guests today. But, uh, you know, last week we had a great episode. And Gary, you know, Stephanie stood in for you and she did an amazing job. I almost thought it was going to be difficult to get her to quit to get you back on. (laughs) (laughs) So so, so I should feel threatened now. (laughs) Definitely. I think you're being seriously threatened here. So she did absolutely great. And, you know, I found another piece of news, which is that uh, we're apparently one of the top uh, grocery podcasts, so we're being listed on wow. a uh, listing, and I'm going to pull out the link here before the end of the show so people can find us and other podcasts, which I'm sure are just as informative, if not more, but it's been uh, our 24th episode, and that's pretty good, Gary. I mean, it's I'm not sure if it's if it's you or me, but I'll, I'm willing to share the honors in this case. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good uh, partnership. Yes, yes, it certainly has been. And, you know, today we have folks on uh, on our show uh, to have a great conversation, uh, two young entrepreneurs who have a great story. I met them back uh, a year and a half ago or a little bit more than that in Vegas at a, I think, a grocery shop show. And we, had a, we really hit it off right from that day. We had a great conversations and they visited us uh, over uh, in our offices, and I think they're doing some amazing stuff. So I can't wait to hear from them. So I want to welcome Gabriel and Spencer to the show here. Hi there, guys. How are you doing? Hi, great. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, yeah, it's okay. a pleasure. It's, it's so great to see. You. I've been following your story, and it's amazing. I can't wait for our listeners to kind of hear about you know where you guys come from. So why don't we do this to get this started? Why don't you guys give us a quick background of each of you, where you guys come from? And then we'll talk about backstory of how, how it got started and, and where you see it going and what's uh, awaiting for you in the future. So Spencer, you wanna take it away? Sure, thanks so much. Very excited to be here and really appreciate the opportunity to chat on the Retail Perch podcast. This is really exciting for a number of reasons, but first and foremost, I'm Spencer Price, co-founder and CEO here at Hala. Joining me today is my co-founder, Gabriel Napodi, and yeah, it's, it's interesting to start with background because before Hala, we were students and we actually are friends from high school. Uh, Gabriel, Henry, our other co-founder and myself grew up in LA together and after high school went off to three different colleges. I was at USC, Gabriel at UCLA and Henry at Berkeley. So despite the rivalries, we started Hala over Skype our second semester sophomore year. That summer raised our first angel funding and We've been off to the races ever since. And yeah, that was back in 2016. Um, Before that, I, speaking for myself, had internships, of course, in marketing and uh, a couple digital advertising agencies. And most recently, prior to Hala, I actually worked at a recording studio for Will I Am. And uh, of course, none of those things really speak to why we're here and doing what we're doing. And the essence is that Hala is the taste intelligence company. And really what that means is we enable grocers to predict shoppers' preferences in real time and drive extremely personalized shopping experiences across any digital environment, e-commerce, scan and go, you name it. 
And the reason that we are focused on this problem is because when Gabriel Henry and I set out to work on something together, we knew we wanted to collaborate, but weren't sure on what. And of course, you start with, well, maybe we can get together and talk about it over some food. And that very conversation led to a clear problem, which is we all have very different relationships with food. Every, everyone really does. And it's kind of hard to find a restaurant that intersects for a group with varying taste preferences, dietary restrictions, et cetera. And we set out to develop a personalized food recommendation engine capable of understanding and accommodating those nuances. Yeah, that's, that's the back background. Would love for Gabriel to chime in too. Yeah, sure. I'm Gabriel Napoti, co-founder and COO here. Pre-Hala, I was simply a math nerd and became friends with uh, Henry through that. Computer science as well. And yeah, Spencer gave a really good kind of background there as to how we got started. Originally, that food personalization was packaged in a direct-to-consumer mobile app. You'd log on to an app and find dishes near you, the best dishes for you. We figured at the time the only way to really discover food was through Yelp. And it wasn't personalized, uh, and it wasn't even food, really, that you were discovering. What you were discovering was restaurants. And so we wanted to go a level deeper and really get into understanding the nuances of taste and, and personal dietary preference. So that took form. And then uh, over, over a matter of months and uh, now, now a few years, we really found our niche in grocery. And that's where we are today. It became apparent probably, what Spencer, 20, 2018, summer of 2018-ish, that online grocery was going to grow immensely. And uh, we've seen that come to fruition now. And we really kind of hedged a bet there, trying to figure out ways to personalize that experience and provide really good AI to ship recommendations to, to, to users and help them discover products that they didn't know they would love, but that are perfect for them. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how our, our product has developed up to today. No, that's great. I mean, that's uh, clearly there's a need for that in the market, you know, and I know that people struggle with finding foods that they would enjoy. And, you know, people tend to stick with the familiar. And you know, sometimes if you have intelligent recommendations that kind of widen somebody's scope, it's, it's always exciting. Like when I, when I find something that I've never had before and I like, I find something that I enjoy, it's always it's excitement, right? It's, it's a great like, experience. Yeah, yeah, it's a great experience. And you, and you wind up telling a bunch of people about it. You know what? I found something. And there's a certain buzz that you create. No, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Absolutely. Gary, you had any questions? Yeah, let, let's dive in a little bit to the, the actual technology itself or, or how you do what you do. Uh, because you're focusing on, on taste and other factors here, attributes, if you will, to guide people to other things that they may find uh, relevant or enjoy. So obviously you're going far beyond, gee, somebody buys, you know, the same package of spaghetti every other week. You know, if you could talk a little about that, I, I think people really find that interesting. That's a great example that you use because there's, of course, an important layer of the grocery shopping experience that is reorders right? Filling and replenishing what you consistently purchase over and over again. But there isn't too much intelligence involved in making that possible. 
And where Hala comes in is on the really challenging side of this space, which is the fact that you are reordering so much and not just you, but me, all of us, we are creatures of habit. And at the end of the day, a grocery store or supermarket inventory on average has tens of thousands of SKUs, but we as consumers purchase no more than 300 of those SKUs on an annual basis. And that 300 this year doesn't look particularly different from last year or next year. Our goal is to make sure that your 300 expands, that you are now trying more and more products because at the end of the day, it's honestly not like there is a lack of options. There might be too many options and it's sorting through the noise that we help consumers with the most. And that of course leads to new product discovery, which is great for brands. Um, but from a retailer standpoint, if you can be the store where folks are actually discovering products that they love, you're likely to see a big uptick in loyalty and satisfaction. Yeah, yeah so and I was just gonna jump in a little deeper on what you said, Gary. Product A was brought with product B. Absolutely, we're going beyond that because you think about e-commerce and all of these different verticals within it that have had really successful transitions and <laughs> Amazon has taken one after another, but groceries is kind of the last frontier to reach a great e-commerce experience. Everything else went first. And that's partially because food is so personal and so unique compared to any other kind of commerce. And when you wanna make good recommendations, you can't just look at product A was bought with product B. You mm -hmm. have to understand food and you have to understand how consumers interact with food. And so that's a, an inherently different angle that we've taken our approach from in making our recommendations. And that's part of the magic that you were talking about. Yeah, so we talk a, a lot about, and I write a, a lot about you know, product data, right? And some of the new services that are out there for retailers to access greatly expanded ingredient data, you know, sourcing data, so on and so forth, right? So uh, just a, a significant amount of new attribution for any given food product. Is that part of the data that Hala uses in understanding what shoppers like and, and making recommendations? It is definitely part of it. I mean, we, we use such a wide variety of data to do what we do. It's pretty terrific for, you know, all, all four of us I know are, are data nerds to some extent, and it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing, just how much data is becoming available when it comes to food. Yeah. You know, you have online grocery, behavioral statistics, whether it's orders, clicks, et cetera, that's all becoming far more readily abundant in the last few years. That to recipes, menus, food products, and even proprietary in-house built data, things that describe the fundamental nature and relationships of food. And that's, that's a type of data that we put a lot of effort into because we don't want to be recommending from a place of the barcode and this right. specific product ID. We want to be recommending from the place of this is fundamentally free cheese. And it's got all these qualities, the stuff that you were talking about, salty to a certain extent. It's got this nutritional factor to it. And that's what should be informing the recommendations at, at the deepest level so that you can make them really personal. So absolutely, we take that stuff into account. That's fantastic. You're taking understanding of what a shopper buys, not just from 
uh, a price brand perspective, but you're going deeper into, you know, what's in these products. Is the shopper going to like it? You know, what recipes could it be part of that they typically like? I love it. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, basically you're making the whole process of uh, shopping a little bit more fun, a little bit more exciting of discovering new stuff. And it's, you know, yes, we reorder a lot of stuff, but I think it's that mystery element that gets added to every shop that makes it exciting. I mean, I think that's totally brilliant. So, so where did, where did, how did this evolve? So you guys are sitting in, in restaurants trying to meet up and figuring out what company to start, right? So what, what was the spark that said, hey, this is a real problem that many people face and how did you turn it into a company? So definitely a great question. And I think that the, the core of the answer really boils down to the simple fact that me, Henry, Gabriel, we are three perfect examples of extremely different approaches and perspectives around food. And without wanting to speak too much for Gabriel, the gist is I'm your classic LA Jew. I've got every dietary and chronic condition you can imagine that prevents me from digesting lots of totally normal foods. But Gabriel is pretty focused on nutritional value. And if it's got the right nutrient content, it could be pretty much anything and he'll eat it. Henry is very adventurous, right? If there's something on a menu that you can't pronounce or have never heard of in your life, it's the first thing he wants. To find a restaurant that can accommodate those varying tastes is really a lot like asking the question, what are the meals that could accommodate those varying tastes and preferences, restrictions, what have you? And we wanted to develop a solution that was better than just arguing, where do you want to eat? I don't know, where do you want to eat? And then you end up after 20 minutes going to one of the same three places you went to last week. We wanted to solve that with something that wasn't the Cheesecake Factory or Chipotle every single time and actually generate meaningful personalized restaurant recommendations and then even surfacing specific dishes for each person in your group at those restaurants that they're likely to enjoy. So from there, of course, once Amazon acquired Whole Foods in 2017 and sent the the space into a bit of an innovation frenzy, we found that our market timing was a bit better for the B2B pivot in the food retail side of the space than food service. And uh, of course, we've since expanded that a bit more to include things like digital ad media and promotions, because at the end of the day, we wanna make sure that someone like me isn't seeing all these dairy oriented products in my coupons. And that's not that difficult yet to this day. There's a lot of very, very, very poorly targeted couponing out there. Of course, Bird's Eye is one of the key players making that trend much better for the industry at large. But where Hala comes in is looking at an already available set of promotions, just in this one example, and making sure that first we eliminate the ones that I'm never going to act on, and then we're surfacing or prioritizing the ones I'm likeliest to enjoy. So. That's sort of our core approach with all that we do is we want to make sure that we aren't showing you anything that you're going to be a hard no to, because that's probably the worst experience a shopper can have is we think you'll like this and there's no chance you will. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so much of our food preferences come down to taste, right? As, as you've talked about. And what I find really fascinating about what you're doing is you're effectively creating a digital replica of that food relative to its taste. So trying to digitize taste, right? At yeah. the end of the day. 
And, uh, you know, I think it's just a fascinating way to think about this. And I think it's something far different than anyone in retail typically thinks about. Uh, you know, take the, the analogy here with what Birdside does from a more holistic shopper perspective of creating sort of that digital duplicator, digital doppelganger, you know, how is taking down to the, that nebulous quality of taste and being able to do that across thousands, tens of thousands of products is no, just I, fascinating. I find this totally fascinating. I think you guys have definitely hit on something pretty amazing and very unique and very needed. I think given the pandemic in the last year, obviously, you know, food has come to the fore here for a lot of people and online shopping is taken off and is never going back to the way it was, right? So I think you're in a, you're in a great space. So what have you seen in the last one year with uh, the pandemic? You know, what, what changes have you seen in behavior in terms of taste and foods that you think uh, listeners might be, might be interesting facts that you've discovered? First and, and foremost, and then I know Spencer's uh, gonna wanna discuss, but from, not necessarily from taste preference stuff, but probably the, the biggest thing we've seen is that the last year has really accelerated a lot of things that were going to happen in, in retail at large and, and specifically in grocery. And it's been very interesting to see because it's, it's basically like compress the coal and, and to, to, to make the diamond and the, the tech innovation has, has accelerated in a way that we think is the future, which is very kind of hybrid and an omni-channel, not just online grocery and, and certainly not in store, but where there are these, all these dynamic solutions for people to do curbside pickup and stuff and people pushing out scan and go apps at, at higher volume to keep contact at cashiers lower. That's been a really interesting thing to see accelerate as a product of the last year. I would add to that just to really just to share that from Hollis perspective, taste is, I really like the word that you used, Gary, nebulous. It's, it's an abstract concept. And of course, it's one of our core five senses as human beings. But one of the things that we try to stay away from is any, any, any definition that's too limiting or restrictive when we think about taste, because it's so much bigger than just what your taste buds on your tongue tell you. Mm -hmm. And the way Hala really thinks about taste is sort of this really hard to see into area where uh, two things intersect. And those two things are desire and behavior. And at the crossroads of desire and behavior, we've actually seen quite a few changes. Uh, in the last year, one thing that I think is pretty key to focus on, and in, in speaking to some of the attributes that Hala takes into account when making suggestions or recommendations to our shopping journey, is that we're also focused on temporal data. So for example, seasonality, occasionality, and one huge shift as I'm sure we're all probably not too surprised by in the last year is very, very rarely are there baskets being built for what appears to be a group meal or an occasion of any kind. And when they are, it's a lot smaller than they used to be, which is interesting because at the same time, we see bigger baskets and more frequent shopping than we used to because of panic buying, another behavioral change that is likely, more likely than not, rooted in the desire to stay safe and prepared. And so the way that we approach taste is pretty holistic and we've seen some, yeah, enormous changes in consumer behavior over the last 12 months. 
And it's going to be really interesting to see how those behavioral changes either continue or perhaps fall back to where things were before over the coming many months. No, totally. I mean, you know, when I look at uh, behavior that we've seen on our end, we've seen uh, interesting trends like consolidation of shoppers to fewer stores. People used to go to more stores to shop and now they go to fewer stores because they buy more more at the same store. And, and it's interesting because it's also given us a view, a more complete view of the shopper of what categories they like to buy because, you know, previously maybe they went to Walmart to buy their paper goods and they went to their local grocery store to buy the perimeter stuff and the packaged goods. And now you're kind of consolidating that behavior in one store. So suddenly it's apparent to you what the shopper is buying across the store. And I think retailers are starting to think, oh, I've never seen this person buying paper goods. What do I have to do to keep their paper good business once things go back to normal, right? So there's all kinds of interesting trends that have kind of come out um, in this one year. And, you know, I think in terms of food, I think, so what, what do you think? If you, if you had to, if you had a venture guess on your end, what's the biggest food trend that you think has come out of last year? The biggest food trend that has come out of the last year is actually an inventory trend in my, in my opinion. And it's the lack of real-time inventory management across the space. <laughs> In other words, the biggest food trend is a lack of getting the food you were looking for. Yeah. Um, I don't think consumers have ever experienced so many misses as they have in the last 12 months where you build a cart online or you're seeking to build your cart in store in a brick and mortar environment and you get to maybe 60, 70% of what you're looking for. And then from there, there's either, uh, you might have subst suggested substitutions on your out of stocks or there might be no good alternative. And this is a very unique reality because at least in our understanding of the historical supermarket space in the US, that's never been the case. This is brand, brand new. And it's pretty interesting if you think about it as compared to any other category in e-commerce. I don't know that if you were to be shopping for books that you could ever expect them to say, well, we don't have that one, but we have this instead. And yet, that's the go-to attempt is to try to, to fulfill the promise that you were you know, hoping was going to be kept by the end retailer. But at the end of the day, it's really challenging. And I'm, I think that's the biggest trend is in food is the food isn't there a lot more than it ever has been. Yeah, no, that, that's a great call out. And you know, admittedly, it is not an easy challenge for retailers to solve, right? You know, when you consider that the, the vast majority of retailers are fulfilling online orders from out of that live operating store, even if the retailer does have a, you know, a real-time inventory running, I'm online right now and orders, uh, you know, a product is showing available, but by the time that uh, order picker gets to that aisle to fulfill it, it may be gone right? Simply because the store is such a dynamic environment. But you're absolutely right. This is a major issue. And I was hoping that retailers had learned from the experience of the past year, especially the first four to six months, you know, of the crisis, things obviously the last six months or so have become somewhat normalized into a new normal, supply chain better and so on. But th this hit me again the last couple of days here. I live in Denver now. And there's a big blizzard coming in this weekend, a couple few feet of snow. And, you know, we stopped at the store uh, Wednesday night and it was really busy. 
the shelves were hammered, couldn't find most of what we wanted to the point I wound up just walking out. And then last night, you know, my wife goes online, goes to Instacart and seeks to place orders, you know, product not available, can't get a delivery for a few days, you know, it's out in the next week. Uh, it's just insane. So it's it's the the crisis all over again. That's interesting. I mean, you know, it's interesting that you said that because Spencer, I was expecting a different type of answer, but you know, it's like, you know, if you went to Amazon and you order a book and they said, I'm sorry, this book's not available. How about this for a substitute? It's as, it's as, as stupid and as funny as that, right? And would you accept it, right? As if there's a valid, there's a valid substitute for something. Um, so it, what do you think is the solution? Do you think the solution is having a separate e-commerce fulfillment dark store and a separate live in-store environment where you can control and keep track of inventory in a much more traceable fashion? Or what do you think it is? It's a really tough question. I have to tell you, as, as much traction as Hala may have seen in the last year, we, have, we would have seen 10 times more if we had a perfect answer to that question. <laughs> what I can tell you is food, fortunately, food is not exactly the same as books. And so we have a bit more bandwidth, if you will in terms of our flexibility. But there are cases that where that actually works the other way. We have actually zero bandwidth. The, I really am only gonna eat this meal with ketchup and I only eat Heinz ketchup. Hunts Sir Kensington's not gonna happen, I'm sorry. And if they don't have it, you could have great potential substitutions for lots of other people that just aren't gonna work for me. So it works both ways, right? And, for some consumers, substitutions are the right solution. But for many consumers, we want to avoid substitutions altogether. And whether that's through dark stores, I'm not totally sure because I do think the the there's a lot to be said about the future of this hybrid omni-channel shopping experience where you're going to still have a lot of those dynamic changes, much to Gary's point, even if you do have real-time inventory, things might be off the shelf. I think where that gets solved, and that's the real root of the issue here, is with really robust demand forecasting, which I think is has been tried and it's been pretty good historically. But now in the world of e-commerce, where the data is much sharper and sales are continuing to grow online and cannibalizing in-store sales in, in many markets, it's going to be incumbent upon retailers to invest in really strong demand forecasting solutions. So I would add to that, that, you know, as, as AI makes its way into that demand forecasting capability, those solutions are getting a lot better, a lot more accurate, a lot more powerful. Uh, but Shaker, to your point, you know, whether it's a dark store, whether it's a dedicated, you know, a market fulfillment center or whatever, so much of that has to do with scale and the economics of all this, right? I mean, to a certain point, a dark store can't support itself just fulfilling online orders. And, you know, you get past that point, you want to take it out of the store because you're impacting on the, the shopping experience for everybody else. But I, I guess the one observation I would make here is I think the retailers that understand this problem and solve this problem are going to create a new world of loyalty from their customers. Because today, it's miserable, right? And last night, as you know, I'm listening to my wife going through these headaches and exchanges. You know, I had flashbacks to the first couple of months of the, the pandemic when everyone was trying to shop online, 
they couldn't get a delivery slot or a pickup slot for two weeks or four weeks or six weeks out. And people were just going anywhere they could to find product, right? To find toilet paper or food or whatever it might be. Shopping at retailers they had never gone to before. So just this, this whole snowstorm experience brought all that back. And it really got me thinking last night uh, around, you know, the, the retailers that can crack this, this problem and have that real-time inventory view so that the customer has got a high level of confidence, I'm going to get what I ordered, and that I can get what I ordered when I want it is going to create a, a whole new world of, of loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great topic. I mean, it's a whole topic for a separate podcast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, I, I want to kind of, you know, put the get the topic back to Hala. So where you guys are doing some amazing stuff. Obviously you've had some tremendous traction here and I'm hearing about Hala and the news and that's, that's fantastic. Congratulations to you guys. And we wish you meteoric success here in the coming years, but where, where do you, what's, what's the vision for Hala? Where do you see Hala going as a company? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of ways to, uh, to take that. And this is, uh, you can pick any night where Spencer Henry and I are talking at 11 PM or later. And, 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 uh, get a glimpse into it but there are a lot of problems in food and we talked about some of the very specific ones just now but there's a lot of room for improvement in what we know today as the food system there's a lot of food waste there are a lot of nutritional issues and there's a whole bunch of innovation that should be coming out in the future and our vision really is to use ai and data to create a food system that is optimal for every single individual and stakeholder that's part of that food system. That's the, the grocery stores having an easier time <laughs> when your blueberry yogurt is out of stock and you have to figure out what do we do? Do we do the cherry or the lemon? Well, Gabriel hates lemon, give him the cherry. Like that's, that can help a grocer, but can also help me as an individual. And in, in the future, it might go down to, to the level where my personal health goals, things, things like if I want to lower my cholesterol, things like if I want to even you know gain some muscle and, and my diet's a big part of that, creating intelligent systems to aid me in that. That's the goal is to, is, is to use AI and data to help support a food chain from, from the farm to farm to flush that is really valuable for everybody involved, companies and individuals alike. Uh, that's a fantastic vision, Gabriel. Love that. So uh, I can't believe it. We went through 35 minutes already. My goodness. All right. I can, I can see another 35 minutes happening. I hope you guys <laughs> will come back on the show one of these days. So we'd, we'd love, love to, to kind of keep track of the progress. And uh, you guys are, you know, obviously coming up with some cutting edge stuff. And I'm sure our listeners would be keen to follow that. So if you had to put out a message and say, hey, this is Hala, and if you're interested, reach out to us, what would that statement be? Another very good question. I would hope that, that we touched on that throughout the discussion today, but one thing that we may not have, have mentioned that I'd love to, to make clear as sort of our takeaway is Hala enables any and all food retailers to drive much more profitable path to growth in e-commerce. And that's by growing incremental sales and loyalty versus helping you invest, for example, in customer acquisition or building warehouses. And the 
in a nutshell takeaway would really be it's much more profitable to invest in making sure that a shopper that's already in your shopping environment builds a bigger basket than it is to bring new folks into the store. And Hala has built the only grocery specific AI to do just that. Fantastic. I love that. Yes. I love that. I mean, so basically help retailers grow their basket while shoppers are on their site putting together their cart for that day, right? And it's, what better opportunity do you have, right? It's, it's, it's the best time to interact with the shopper to create those magical experiences. So if you're a retailer out there listening, you know, you definitely want to check out Hala and Hala's website is Hala.io, right? H-A-L-L-A.io. Fantastic. Get in touch with these nice. sort of the sharpest people I've met, you know, in my course in this career. And uh, we wish them all the very best. Gary, you have any uh, closing remarks here? Uh, no, just great to have you guys with us today. Great discussion. And as Shaker said, hope we can get you back because there's a lot more to talk about here. Yeah, yeah. And I want to, I really want to dig into this taste intelligence because I think it's yeah, yeah. fascinating. Maybe, you know, in three, four months from now, most people have gotten the vaccine and it'd be interesting to see how, how much of the behavior that changed in the last year is continues, right? And, and does it change? Do people still focus on home-cooked meals? Do they find alternatives? I'd love to discuss some of that stuff, but Spencer and Gabriel, you guys are always, it's always fun to hang out with you guys and talk. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you guys will come back. Now, if you can email me your addresses, we will send you the retail perch mug. So you can, yeah. <laughs> it's a real collector's item, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that logo that you see back there, right? You know, back there, right? So yeah, there you go. So Gary's got one. So we'll send there that you to you. Uh, so make sure you send that to us in an email. And again, I want to thank Stephanie for to fixing all the ahs and ums and the little things that we do during the show. She's amazing. Stephanie, thank you so much for putting this podcast together. And we will talk to you guys again soon. Over and out until the next episode. Thank you guys for listening to us. Talk to you soon. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>